we're going to start today by asking a question. Have you ever had a time and a story to tell and when you told it, no one believed you? Maybe even just some of the details about the story, they didn't believe, but the, the rest maybe they did. Honestly, I thought about making up a really elaborate story <laughs> and trying to you know, add a few little lies in there and see if you believe me, but I'll save you that drama <laughs> because we actually have a really good story about that exact thing in Scripture today. And we're reading today from John 9, and it is 41 chapters, uh, chapters, oh, that'd be bad, 41 verses, <laughs> so let's strap him for that, we'll just stick to the, the one chapter today. <laughs> so John 9, and it starts with, Jesus heals a man born blind. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as, as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming, when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they call Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He took me to, told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, he is a prophet. They still do not, did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can now see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said, to th said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the, the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. This was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? 
Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in the sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this, and asked, what, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. We made it. Now, this story is kind of set into three parts, which helps me. It does half my work for me. First, we have the miracle itself, where Jesus heals a man born blind. And second, we have the reaction of the community around the man. The Pharisees investigate the healing. And then the third part is our so what? How are we, in today's context, spiritually blind? So first, let's deal with the miracle itself. This one is a little different to others that we read about in Jesus' ministry. Because this one isn't performed in one smooth instant with Jesus present. Instead, Jesus prepares the man for a miracle. But the completion of the healing only happens once the man goes away and follows Jesus' instruction. Jesus notices a man evidently blind from birth, as do the disciples, who question what sins must have been committed for him to have been born this way. And then, of course, Jesus sees this as an opportunity Uh, and explains that that despite religious beliefs or blessings and curses, the blindness of this man has nothing to do with family sin patterns. Instead, his circumstance provides an opportunity to display the wonder of God. So this is the fun part. Then Jesus spits in some dirt and creates some mud and puts the mud over the man's eyes. Perhaps not the most glamorous moment of Jesus' teaching, but nevertheless, he has a plan. I often wonder what it was like to be one of, the, of Jesus' disciples back then. I suppose we've seen a representation of that in the Chosen series. Uh, but honestly, it really would have been a rollercoaster lifestyle, simply having no idea what the day would bring and what this outrageous man was going to do next, while also having that underlying concern of danger from those opposing Jesus' ministry. It would have been such a wild ride. So this guy has spitty mud on his face, (laughs) I'm picturing it now. And then Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and that's all it took. The man with no name to us, born blind, had his face smeared with spit and mud. Then somehow he wanders off to the pool of Siloam. Still in my brain, I'm imagining this scene to be a little bit longer and more difficult than just a sentence or two. He was still blind when he had to find the pool of Siloam, so... I don't know what that looked like, but I'm sure it wasn't that simple. But then this man came home seeing. That's crazy. 
So then if the miracle itself isn't interesting enough, the plot thickens. Because as the man starts being seen around the community, his neighbours start wondering, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And others can't believe such a ridiculous thing that they say, nah, he just looks like him. To which this man says, actually, I am that man. And then they quiz him with all these questions. How can that be possible? How did your eyes open? And he just tells them the facts. Jesus spat in the mud, rubbed it in my face, then I washed in Siloam and boom, I could see. Of course, still in disbelief, the people were like, well, where is he then, this miracle man that you're going on about? And by now, this man has no idea because Jesus is long gone by now, probably on to the next miracle. So what is interesting about this is that this man's community, his own neighbours, they don't recognise him. They had lived amongst, this man had lived amongst them his entire life. He would have interacted with them. They would have seen him around, perhaps even thrown a coin or two at him from time to time to help him out. But now that he can see, they don't recognise him. Furthermore, when he explains that he is the man that they remember as being blind, they don't believe his story about the miracle of Jesus. Obviously, it is an unreal thing to happen in their midst. But it begs the question, what was this man known for? And did they know anything about this man other than his ailment? So let's move on to the second part. The people were confused by this new guy with 20-20 vision in their neighbourhood and figured it was best to take him to their religious leaders, the Pharisees, to ask them their thoughts about this situation. Fair call. So there's a few issues with this though, because Jesus decided to do this healing work on a Sabbath, which was a big no-no in traditional religious laws. So the Pharisees straight away start with the questions, or perhaps the interrogation more like it. So again, the man has to explain what had happened to him. The straight up conclusion from the Pharisees is that this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But that brings another question, how on earth does a sinner who does not keep Sabbath perform such signs and miracles. So once again, the Pharisees start to squabble and become divided and continue to ask the man over and over again, what do you have to say about him? Maybe he's a prophet, but still the Pharisees did not believe him. So they sent for his parents who were so afraid of being shunned that they were unwilling to back the guy up and basically say, he's old enough to speak for himself, keep us out of it. So in the end, all the man could do to answer the questions of the Pharisees was to explain, well, one thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. So really the only way to explain it that they couldn't argue with by this point, the cold hard facts, it was one way, but now I'm another. But obviously this is too much for the Pharisees and no matter what the man said, they wouldn't take his word and they ended up throwing him out. So here we have a similar response to the man's neighbours, rejection. The Pharisees wouldn't believe in him because what he was telling them was outside of their learned experience and teachings of religion. So they rejected his story and therefore they rejected him as a person. His parents, they were too afraid to stand up against the Pharisees. So therefore they rejected their own son to protect themselves. Imagine receiving a miraculous healing, being blind since birth and suddenly seeing clearly and then everyone rejects you. But the reality in this story for the man is that the rejection is not necessarily of the man at all. 
the rejection is actually aimed at Jesus. The community that didn't believe uh, her were simply lacking the faith and belief that this man could be healed. They believed that he came from a long line of sinner family members and therefore was cursed with blindness from birth. They knew him as the blind man and not much else. So when he was healed, they just simply didn't know what to do with that information. The parents were probably used to the shame of a blind son, being that society would have believed there was sin in the family due to the curse of blindness. They perhaps received a whole lot of judgment about their family sin patterns. They probably worked really hard to continue to be accepted into the church and therefore this event could have ejected them out for good. Their first response was to protect themselves despite what might happen to their son. The Pharisees see a great opportunity. They want Jesus to be the bad guy in the story, not the hero. So they're looking for a different explanation, one that leaves them in control of religious authority and practice. They want to rewrite this miracle and suggest that Jesus is not in fact of God because his actions don't fit into the religious laws. Basically, it makes them less authoritative if they're of their religious order and that is not okay with them. But the issue is, almost everybody in this story fails the man born blind. Even his family put their own safety and welfare before his. Fear takes over from their joy of a miraculous healing and they abandon their son to the authorities. The community fails, the religious authorities fail and the family fails. The only two trustworthy characters in this story are the man born blind and Jesus. This man, though, he was honest. He was questioned time and time again, and he stuck to the truth. He continued to witness his experience of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It didn't get him far in his community. In fact, rather than celebrate his healing with him, he was rejected from every direction. But he still stood firm. Deep down, he knew he had experienced the awe and wonder of God. And that was the transformation in his life that would change him forever. So if we look under the surface of this story, beneath the literal details of the miracle healing, the neighbours, the parents and the Pharisees, we begin to see a different perspective of what we can take out of this story. If we're not reading about the literal blindness, but the spiritual blindness, that might actually give us a clue. We can read the story as yet another incredible miracle performed by Jesus. That in itself would actually be enough. But if we look a little deeper, this story looks very much like that of a transformation journey to become disciples of Christ. So think about it. The journey towards making a decision to accept Jesus into our lives can be gradual. It can take years even for seeds to be planted and for those enlightenment moments to happen. Our lives can look a certain way and our community can know us to be a certain way. And then something happens, an encounter like no other one that you can't even adequately explain, but it requires you to do something. It requires your participation to open your heart, to be washed clean, to be blind, and then to see. No doubt afterwards, you are ready to witness to what has happened in your life. We saw that last week, the lady at the well, and she runs off like, ah, you know, it was great. She had a story to tell. People may even notice that something about you has changed, 
But also, often people are sceptical or they don't want to believe what you're telling them about your transformation. This might make them uncomfortable or even choose to reject you rather than celebrate with you. That's kind of an inevitable truth about being a Christ follower. You will come against persecution and opposition. That's, that's a guarantee. But you can take comfort in knowing that the Holy Spirit is now working in you and through you. So when Jesus had heard that the man had been thrown out by the religious leaders, he actually went and found the man and further worked in his life. He assured him that he had, in fact, had encounter with the Son of God. The man believed him and worshipped him immediately. Then Jesus flips the logic and says, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And of course, the Pharisees always seem to be lurking nearby to ask those jabbing questions. What? Are we blind too? Which only gives perfect opportunity for Jesus to present his mic drop moment And he says, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So basically, Jesus is saying that if you think you know everything there is to know without Jesus, then you're totally blind to the true light of God. This man was living in darkness and Jesus opened his eyes and he believed. The literal example of this story is a metaphoric example of how our eyes are closed to the wonder of God until we allow Jesus to touch our lives and open our eyes to him. You know sometimes when the sun is really bright or when a really bright light shines in your eyes and it's really intense, what's our first reaction? Usually it's to squint or to to cover our eyes. The natural reaction from our body is that the brightness is dangerous to us and it almost has an automatic reflex. The human reaction in this story is much the same. When the light of the world shines bright, the world or the community shuts their eyes in defence. But this story, in fact Jesus, is countercultural and counterintuitive and he is the ultimate flipper, not only of tables, but of worldly logic and knowledge. In Jesus' wisdom, he is saying that when the light of the world shines, we must look directly into it. The light of the world is in our midst even today, and we need not shut our eyes. In fact, we must keep our eyes wide open, because instead of being blinded by the light, we can be saved by it. It is not safe to dwell in the shadows, even if automatically it feels that way. But transformation is gradual, and it requires genuine encounter and participation. It also requires a community of supporters. We as a church must be willing to see the light shine through others in our midst too. We must be careful not to be sceptical of the witness of others and we must encourage the transformation journey in each other. Because that's what church is. Each of us discovering our individual journey of relationship with God, standing alongside others who are also discovering their individual journey of relationship with God. Becoming a Christ follower, it's a journey. It's tough and it's big. And then there's the aftermath, facing the opposition and the persecution and then the discipleship journey that really does continue on for the rest of our lives as we continue to learn our true identity in Christ. So the question is, are we ready to receive our healing? 
Are we ready to wash our faces with the healing power of Jesus and look into the light? And then are we ready to witness of his love for others and continue in our own discipleship journey? Because it's not just about the miracle, as incredible as a miracle is. It's actually about what we do after with our new life that really matters. We're going to sing in a moment. A song that actually is a witness. Sometimes we don't know how to put it into words. Sometimes something happens in our life and we can't describe it. But songs like this allow us to have the words displayed for us and we can share that there's an amazing grace that changes us forever. It transforms us and it makes us new. And so I pray that this is our witness this morning.